0: Hey, welcome back to the Barrel Proof Baseball Podcast. Today, we are joined by two guests, uh, brother and sister, and co-owners of Boone County Jail Distillery, Nikki and Sean Stoller. Uh, Had a really great conversation with these guys. I cannot wait to to get this posted. I've been sitting on it now for a couple of weeks. Uh, They were super cool. Really enjoyed my conversation with Nikki and Sean, and uh, yeah, hopefully... Once this gets out there and uh, some distribution gets around or people who are in Indiana, uh, which is where they're based out of in um, Lebanon, Indiana, hopefully uh, when people see their products around, they can give them a try. They're making really good whiskey and uh, the story is really cool. So check this out. Hope you enjoy it. Um, go find Boone County Jail Distillery on social media. Uh, Nikki's running that and she's been really active on it. And they've got a really cool uh, cool brand, cool story, really cool thing about it. And um, love the fact that it's a brother and sister running it and uh, really enjoyed my conversation with them. So I've invited myself to Indiana to um, go into the distillery and uh, go drink with them. So if I get to Indiana soon and go visit some uh, friends and family out there, I'm going to be stopping by Lebanon and, um, yeah, checking out the jail and and it's actually a jail, like an old jail that they are running their business out of. So um, I'm not going to stay the night there. Uh, the offer was made for me to stay there, and I'm absolutely terrified of that idea. So there's zero chance I'm going to be doing that. Uh, but I will go look at it and visually see if it's a nice place, which I'm sure it is uh, just not a place I'm going to stay overnight, but I'll go drink with Nikki and Sean. That's about it. Um, a couple of business things to take care of as usual. If you're interested in supporting the Barrel Proof Baseball podcast, a couple of ways you can do that. First and foremost is by Manscaped. Now, Manscaped, we got the uh, Lawnmower 3.0, right? They sent me this. They sent me the travel bag. Okay. It's cool. They sent me some toner and some, uh, anti-chafing deodorant. So yeah, check out Manscaped. Okay. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code BPB for 20% off and free shipping. Okay. 20% off free shipping manscaped.com with the promo code BPB. Next way, these will These links are going to be down below in the description, so check these out. Uh, Next one is from Bottomless Coffee, okay? Bottomless Coffee is really cool. They got a cool thing going. They send you a Wi-Fi-enabled scale. Put your coffee beans on there. Like, you you pick out your flavor profile that you like, your beans, your roast, you know, your region. Uh, I'm going medium roast, single origin, big fan. Um, And so once you start running low, the Wi-Fi capabilities send a message to um, bottomless coffee and they replenish your coffee supplies. So whole key is that you're not running out of coffee. So they got a cool thing going, um, click the link and you'll get a free bag. I'll get a free bag. We all get free bags of coffee. So it doesn't really get any better than that. Um, so yeah, check out the bottomless coffee link. If you're interested in being a monthly donor, check out the Patreon link. If you'd like to help support the channel, uh, there's another link for the Amazon store, go check that out. If you want some Glenn Karen glasses or ceramic collectible coins, shoot me an email at barrelproofbaseball at yahoo.com. Last thing, if you guys have followed any of my uh, Instagram stories or uh, listened to my little commercial at the beginning of uh, my podcast lately, I've been talking about walk-offs and whiskey. Uh, these guys are awesome. Uh, just kind of got to know them through chatting a little bit on uh, on social media and really like what they're doing. I think they're, they've got a really neat thing going on with their, uh, with their brand and kind of getting that mix of baseball and whiskey, which we all love, or you should, and if you don't, um, but that says more about you than anything else. If you don't love baseball and whiskey, so walk-offs and whiskey, if you go to their store, you put the code barrel proof baseball, all one word, put that code in, you'll get 10% off um on their uh on their products that they've got on their website. So check them out on social media, go to their Instagram, Walkoffs and Whiskey. Uh go to walkoffsandwhiskey.com, take a look at their store, buy some stuff, support them. They're doing a cool thing. So that's all I got. That's the business. Go enjoy Nikki and Sean Stoller from Boone County Jail Distillery and listen to their story. Think you're going to like it. Enjoy All right. Uh, Nikki and Sean Stoller. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, you guys are is co-owners. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, Boone County jail, distillery in Lebanon. Did I pronounce it right? Yep. It Lebanon, yep. Lebanon, Indiana. All right, cool. All right. Well tell me a little bit about yourself outside of uh, distillery life, if you would a little bit.
2: Okay. So I would say I'm an avid reader. Uh, I like to play some golf here and there. And then I also do some volunteering with a couple youth groups.
0: What's your, what's your go-to read?
2: My go-to read. I've been really into thrillers. Okay. Maybe some mystery. I'm also a huge crime junkie. So Okay. Yeah, those are good. usually my podcast to go to as well. Some Dateline.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Those will keep you up for nights. Trying to <laughs> figure them out. Sean, how about yourself?
1: Um, you know, a few years ago caught the golfing bug. Um, so I spend most of my free time doing that when I'm not with my, my two-year-old or the wife that so, we're working good for you guys.
0: I can't, I had golfed for a while, but then I realized I was so bad at it and I was just spending money on it to be bad, but I didn't want to spend the time or money to be good. So I just said, I'm good. I'm just gonna drink whiskey.
2: Yeah, that's fair. You definitely have to keep at it. It's not something you could just pick up and be good at. It's it's no. really No,
0: yeah, that's great. Good
1: for you guys. It's a good trade-off though. Drinking yeah, the right? tea instead. Yeah, you can't. You know, go wrong either way. No, really it could, yeah, happen. it could be a lot worse.
2: Yeah, sometimes we combine the two, but you know,
0: that, that's when it's good.
2: Yeah, that's when it's really good.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Then, I, yeah, then I handle my uh, my poor golf play a little bit better that way.
2: Yeah. So, cool. tell me a
0: little bit about you guys, kind of in, your individual roles at the distillery.
2: All right, Sean, you can go first. Um, Yeah,
1: so, um, yeah, originally, so it's a family venture. So um, my dad's more of a, he's a silent partner, been involved. And so kind of our family's been uh, in the liquor distribution business for almost 40 years now. Um, So um, Nikki was like still in school when we we purchased the Boone County Jail. Um, And uh, so I moved down and really... um, for the first three years got the licensing and the permitting and um, my experience prior to that was in the sales. So that was always kind of where I uh, was hoping to get back to. So we went through the permitting process and um, so now more more uh, on the production side still.
0: Are you are you dist- are you distilling yourself?
1: No, so now every day we have a head distiller who okay. runs the facility on day-to-day
0: operations gotcha okay nikki how about yourself
2: i do a lot of the sales and marketing so i do the social media and then i'm also in charge of expanding to different markets for example today we actually just shipped our first order out to kentucky which is really exciting oh, that's we'll awesome do that yeah and then in the next couple of weeks we'll have georgia um and we're already in indiana illinois and colorado
0: Colorado seems to get everybody I talked to. It seems like everybody's getting into Colorado early. And nobody's yeah, coming to Arizona. Yeah,
2: Arizona hopefully soon.
0: Yeah, we should make that happen.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so you, I saw in the card that you guys had sent, and you just mentioned it, Sean, that you guys were a third, third or fourth generation with people in your family in the liquor industry. Mm-hmm. So you had sales, you said, and what else was there?
1: Yeah. So well, so like um, our grandfather had a, a trucking company. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, whose special, um, specialty was um, after prohibition, like delivering alcohol to stores. Um, our father from there started a liquor distributor. Um, was later joined by the uncles, so mm-hmm. again a family affair. And yeah, they had a liquor distributor and uh, distribution company in Illinois um, for thirty years.
0: Now, were you guys um, were you guys always? liquor fans there's not really a better way to word that were you guys always fans of liquor like say growing up
1: yeah no, I love that um I'll jump in because you know my dad now being uh the age that he is
0: mm-hmm. won't let me
1: tell him the story I was like six and my cousin who's just like six seven months older she was seven um and we had our you know he gave us our first shot right of vodka and it was black death vodka right? Oh. We'd still, I have like saved pictures of the coffin it came in, you know, so that was always, um, we really grew up with, this is something like most things that you need to respect and limit yourself on and no limitations. And so we really were taught like to respect alcohol, you know, right. more than the, yeah.
2: And Go be ahead, like professional about it and kind of, you know, drink. So it, it, obviously in Europe, they have a very different drinking culture than we do here. And to kind of have, like, keep that in mind where, you, you know, more drink to enjoy, to pair with a meal, to celebrate, but, you know, never to push it too far.
0: I definitely, I've been to Europe the last two, well, not last year, the last, the two years before that, 18 and 19, went to Ireland and a few places, kind of in uh, Central Europe. And it's definitely a different culture with, around the drinking there. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about, mm. but I think that's cool. Like you said, you're taught to enjoy it, not uh, go in the overindulging of it, which can, happened from time to time.
2: Right. And and some another funny story. So when I was little, my nightlight was a, a vodka bottle that used to like kind of be like a strobe light. So like That's that was great. like what my dad brought home. He's like, oh, kid needs a light light. And I got a vodka <laughs> bottle that can do that.
1: Got some swag working. in the car. Yeah. <laughs> 1995. That's great.
0: So you, okay, so you're, you're fans of it. I mean, you enjoy it. And obviously coming from, you know, family in the industry and being taught to enjoy it the right way. And again, I think that was kind of one of the things I had faced when I told people I was going to do a podcast about whiskey and they're like, Oh, like, like Jack Daniels. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like Jack's good, but it's a little bit deeper than that. It's not just ripping double shots of Jack and two for one nights and college bars, but Um, so I think it's great, you know, just having that family background of it, but how do you, how did you guys go from that point of like, I enjoy it. Yeah. The family's involved, but now like, I want to do my own thing, open, open a distillery up and like really take that plunge and go from there.
1: Yeah. And kind of, uh, right. Closing on the the previous one that goes into this. I think it's, you know, it's important, right. I love both sides of the drinking, right. It's important to have one or two and be Mm -hmm. able to enjoy it. And then on the other hand, there's a day, maybe on the golf course, you know, you have a designated driver and you have a goal and that goal yeah. is to get, you know, a few drinks in and that's yeah. okay too. So, um,
0: time and so a yeah, place, just,
1: right. Time and a place. So <laughs> the family distributor was essentially bought out. Um, and they kind of gave us this other opportunity to do something else. Um, and we didn't necessarily know what that was going to be or my father and, um, this, this jail came up for auction. So it went down and we ended up buying the jail that day. So it kind of happened overnight and we, you know, knew that. um, We also have another company, I should say, that does importing. So we import some tequilas and scotches and um, some of that stuff and do some national sales for some other small distilleries. Um, So it wasn't so much of a leap and it was something that we really do enjoy the educational side and Mm -hmm. digging deep into the different types of spirits um so when it was kind of like holy cow to buy this historical building and build a brand around this building was really you know we were going to be able to kill a couple birds with one stone Mm -hmm. using the jail
2: right if there's one thing that we've learned from selling liquor all these years is that a great starting point is the is the story that's what the consumers really want to hear too
0: I think that's the cool part. Like the people in whiskey that I've talked to either like they have a cool story or the brand itself has a cool story, but like, there's always, it always seems like there's some sort of cool story behind either the whiskey itself, the brand Mm -hmm. you had. I mean, you bought a jail that was like a working jail from 1877 to like 1992. Right.
2: Yeah. They had rebuilt it somewhere between that. I think in the 1920s or thirties, but yeah. Then in nineteen ninety two. Oops, sorry, Nick. No, yep, so, yeah,
1: 1833 was like the first jail in that area. Um, and then that jail there was built, um, yeah, it was redone in 1938. So, 1938 okay. to 1992, um, it actually served as the jail for up to like 75 people um, and 14,000 square feet. And it was also built um, in the case of civil unrest or oh. as like a nuclear fallout. So we actually have some water storage bins from like 1962 in the attic. Wow. And like, yeah, like we have like these ration, you know, food rations that are like crackers from then. Really? That were like just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never know if that happened. Yeah, right. Like you never know what happened in that place.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what, what were, what were some, We call them early challenges with uh, either starting the brand itself or moving into a building that had been around for so long. Because when you bought it in what year? I
1: think 2015. So what was it? What was it doing
0: between '92 and '15?
1: So for a few years, um, so there's actually there's a tunnel that connects um, our sub basement to the courthouse across the street. Mm. So the city had actually, the county had to keep the building going to heat the courthouse. Then a few um, older gentlemen who were architects and engineers, they bought it. They bought the building from the city, hoping to do some like apartments and things that never happened. Um, and then they decided to just auction the building after just not selling it on their own.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so what were some uh, What were some early challenges with getting the, getting it started?
1: Sorry. So yeah. So it's, no, uh, yeah. real. Wow, like I lost track there. Um, yeah. So the real early problem was, and right off the bat, I, all the rooms are 14 to 16 inch poured concrete. So we really don't have any open large areas that have a still have a forklift move around. A lot of the the things that make warehouses perfect was the opposite. Mm. Um, so that's we we had the sub basement where the boilers used to heat both buildings. We were able to use use that area for the stills and the full production area so three quarters of the building the cells um, it's a fourteen thousand square foot building but most of the building is um, two stories of cells that are like a giant steel block and um, our jail was actually built a few years after alcatraz and a Mm. few of the companies did the same work in both buildings okay so we have like the same lever system and same like catwalk in the middle so it's historically just like endless yeah
0: did you guys have to go through any sort of um you know like physical facelifts or anything like that to to retrofit or anything to be able to use it as a as a distillery
1: you know what no that was kind of one of the early philosophies is we're going to give the building you know we'll we'll take what we could get so they said like a three by three um, block was going to be over like 455 pounds to remove. Hmm. So they were requiring a forklift to remove parts of the wall, and we couldn't get a forklift in the building. So that was and just the licensing. So it was just also a historical building. So we did have to work um, with the permitting process and um, working with the historical society to really get what we wanted done. And um, we really were limited on what we could do outside the building.
0: So you guys are, so you decide to start it, you buy the building, you're ready to roll. Like obviously whiskey's got to age. I don't know much about gin or vodka or anything like that, but I mean, do you start, like I know Nikki mentioned doing some social media stuff. Like, do you guys start getting on social media right away to promote it, to promote the brand or do you have to wait and like, what's that process like?
2: Well, a lot of distilleries will start with the vodka and the gin kind of to hold you over until, Mm -hmm. you know, the bourbon is ready. Uh, So we kind of hit social media with that. Um, Luckily, the community was very, they really embraced us. So the vodka, the gin, the moonshine, you know, local bars sell it and they do really well and, you know, kind of just hold us over until... Those are ready, but definitely interacting, especially with those bourbon communities. Mm-hmm. It's just huge because there's so many bourbon enthusiasts.
0: Yeah, there's yeah, it's think, a big community.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's, and a lot, a lot. I think, too, of the early on with the first like six months to a year, we knew was going to be experimentation um, and then really, you know, not garbage because, you know, in this industry, we get to drink our mistakes. hmm but one of our first products was is, is um, our Conjugal Visit Moonshine, which is two white, you know, white whiskeys, essentially. They're both 100% corn. One we took off the pot still, and the other we took off the column still. So then we okay. blend the two. Yeah, to give like, you know, what we would consider like a Midwest farmer who's using his corn, like sweet, but you're going to feel that burn in moonshine. Yeah. So like part of what we wanted to do was have a little bit of something for everyone, whether it Mm -hmm. was vodka or gin um, or some, we have apple pie moonshine and lemon drop moonshine. Um, I saw that apple pie on the website, by
0: the way, that looks incredible.
1: Yeah, definitely one of our best sellers. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And kind of, you know, we, we really want to do everything kind of organically, more grassroots. So once we had the Kindred and Drake, we, we shipped it first and then we started reaching out. Mm. Um, mainly in Indiana and Illinois, um, because we, yeah, so, uh, kind of learned some lessons on just try to get the product out there and then really try to get the ball rolling downhill.
0: Did you, did you guys, um, to get whiskey out early? Did you guys source whiskey early before doing your own?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was one of the very first kind of, um, awakenings, if you will, was the cost difference mm. in making things from scratch versus buying stuff from mgp Hmm. so very quickly it was not the business plan but um you know it almost like a fourth of the cost to do that same barrel of 53 gallon filled that savings that we get to pass along to the consumer Hmm. right and i mean these big guys have been doing it for 200 years right or so they have it down to a science which is you know what this is to a degree um so we're always going to probably end up having like a MGP offering that's mm-hmm. more at a lower end price, if you will. Now mm-hmm. that it's cheap, um, and then we're going to have our stuff, which will be much more craft. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's more you get to taste um, what we've made as we grow, and the, the spirit grows. You know, not just age, but sure. taste and yeah, complexity.
0: What, what is that process like when you get with MGP? Is that something that it's like, you go and say like, hey, this is the bottle that we're gonna come out with. Like we want it to have, you know, whatever mash bill you choose. Like, do you try and match that to what you're going to be putting out? Or is that something that, you know, you just find something that you really like and then your own stuff is completely different.
1: Yeah, I think our first welcome, like, you know, high package from MGP was like 25 to 30 different whiskey samples. So not just bourbons, but, you know, I guess in more specifically like eight different types of just bourbon, mm-hmm. you know, mash bills. So we tasted it with a bunch of people and um, industry friends who we, um, we really highly, um, you know, con- yeah, we have the right palates um, and we found one that we thought we liked. And for this, we were really going for more what we considered um, traditionally um, normal, like bourbon profile.
0: Mm. So
2: for consumers.
0: Now you so like you said the approachable one for the consumers. What is what's the like what's the price point on this one?
2: 34
0: to 35.99? Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. That so works.
2: Great to get on a retailer shelf, especially mm-hmm. for a 5 year.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you get the straight bourbon label in the 5 year. That's a uh I mean that's like you said to get that on the shelf at 35 bucks is is pretty nice.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I definitely agree with that.
1: And it is kind of go back to, it is stuff we bought almost four years ago. Mm -hmm. So not, you know, it doesn't change too much, but we definitely, we do have a warehouse where we age all of our other MGP stock. So everything we make at the jail is at the jail and everything else is within a mile.
0: So you're making, so you make stuff at the jail and then age it there and then you've got a, like a secondary site. Yes. Ah, gotcha. Okay, makes sense. That'd yeah. be tough to have everything in one spot.
2: Oh, it would be so tough and it would be logistically with the cement walls, it would be so so difficult to do the, you know, the bottling line all in one mm-hmm. building and everything like
0: that. How many How many barrels can you store at the jail?
1: It's a good question. We're actually about to build our like third rack there. Okay. Um, it's in each different room. Mm-hmm. So in each different rooms, like a different level, almost in the jail, almost everything we do is in like the basement level of the jail or the sub basements. Um, so I think right now we're, we've got about 60 barrels. Uh, and in the beginning we were experimenting with 30 gallon barrels. Um, uh, cause mm-hmm. we've, we've also, we've made rum. Um, and we have, uh, I think we have five different types of whiskeys that we've made.
0: Oh, wow. What's the, uh, what's the preference for you in terms of making alcohol? Is it, I I have to, I mean, again, I don't know anything about making gin or vodka, but the whiskey making is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Great question. Right. You know, at the beginning when we really sold this and we tasted it never really knew the extreme science behind fermentation in that mash fill. So we kind of, um, our moonshine that's 100% corn. That was like the first thing we got locally sourced corn and we got really lucky. There's a malt house in Lebanon who's doing a really some amazing things with different types of malts. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, we're like, holy cow, this is tough. You know, why isn't our yeast doing this and our alcohol's yeah. not as high? And, you know, we started talking to some people who, um, industry friends who've really helped us along and they're like, hey, corn's going to be really tough. You know, um, so just learning from making our mistakes and um, testing and tasting has really been amazing. So you know, i you know I like to start with you know, the gin has really been the most eye-opening in a way uh, because it really is tea. The botanicals you would use in your a tea bag at home in hot water is what we use for gin. We let it sit wow. in essentially right um, high-proof vodka, and then we throw it in the gin. And the, the alcohol got the oils out of the botanicals. And then when we distill it in the still, we get all these layers of flavors. And it is like controlling the flavors in our end product through the cuts in the still. So that's where like that process has been really eye-opening then for the whiskey. Because now when we, we taste every 15 minutes, our head distiller, just a finger under the still and a quick dab on the tongue because the more and more you do it, the more and more you could taste and feel what's coming out of the still. Wow. So, and like you were saying, you know, just we have two different types of bourbons now we've done with a high rye mash and then a low rye mash, a weeded bourbon. We've done two different rye whiskeys, just being malted and not malted percentages. Um, And then, you know, like everybody, we've got a few barrels of four grain Mm -hmm. And we just went ahead and did 25% of all four grains, right? And we're going to go ahead and call it Even Steven. Yeah, that's awesome. Good good place to start. Yeah, so it was because it's like, you know, this is what it is and it's confusing, but it does taste different. And that's, you know, what, what this is about, getting people to see the difference in different products.
0: It's, it's so funny. Like I've had people that I've talked to and like, it's gotta be fun, you know, like spring training walking around and like seeing some of the big league players. And I'm just like, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. And then at the same time I'm going, man, it's gotta be so cool to be in a distillery to like be able to walk around and try different things. And like, if you're in a position to say, Hey, let's add some more wheat to that, or let's add some more, you know, rye to this one. And like, how fun is that? That's gotta be incredible for you to be able to like, just be able to have that creative, like control over, over doing stuff like that.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So, uh, so rewarding and so hair pulling at the same time. Right. (laughs) Because again, that's, you know, the fermentation, right, is going to be four to six days. And then it's got to go in the still. Right. And for us size wise, um, we'll we'll do three cooks of 240 gallons Mm. to fill one barrel, a 153 gallon barrel. So that's four distillations and the, the, yeah. So it's just amazing how, um, how the science of that really works and fills up.
2: Yeah. It's like sometimes when I taste something like the hundred percent rye we had, I was like, oh, can we make more of that? Like, let's make, <laughs> let's make sure that we have a lot of that and no. five years when I'm going to sell it.
0: Is, that, then- is that, is that, what 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 do you guys t- like what kind of whiskey do you typically drink? Outside outside of you have to say something outside of Boone County jail. You can't pick your own, but like what would be your normal whiskey at home?
2: It's a great question.
1: Yeah. At home is a little more difficult. I like to say at a bar. Okay. Right. When my options are more limited. Yeah. Um, I would go I'd go something more like a maker's mark. Okay. I do I I'd do like a weeded bourbon. Mm-hmm.
0: So Nikki, um, what about you?
2: Makers mark, there's you know, different ones and different price points. I I mean you guys had Breckinridge on. I mm-hmm. used to sell Breckenridge. I'm a big fan of their stuff too.
0: Yeah, I, I like yeah. them. I really like my conversation with Brian. And it, it, he was kind of the same way, you know, you have a conversation with somebody about, hey, how'd you get started? And everybody's got a cool story, you know. Right. Makes them it makes them fun.
2: Yeah, I sold this stuff for like two years and I I it would have been really cool to like have listened to your podcast while I was doing that.
0: I think, yeah, I, I see. I never got into gin. It was funny. Like when we were in Europe, I started noticing how many people were into gin and I've never, like I never got into gin. I just, I think I had a bad first experience with it. Um, not like not being over I just didn't care for it. And then a buddy of mine gave me a bottle like a year ago and I was like, well, this is really good. So it's, I think there's probably, like different levels of it that you can enjoy a little bit more. But when I had my first one, I'm like, it's just, it's Christmas in a cup and I'm not into it.
2: Yeah. we Ours is more of a new world style, which mm-hmm. is definitely more citrus and floral notes rather than the yeah. juniper that comes out in those yeah. other styles. Um, I like our style because it's like perfect for at home cocktailing. Definitely it's more. Yeah. the um, one I The one I had
0: was, Oh, sorry. Go ahead
2: definitely some more just some good more flavors
0: the one that my friend had given me had that citrus and it was way different because that juniper just I like I I was like this is not okay at all so I stick with the, the brown water I can't I don't even dive into the others I'm oh,
2: I like that brown water I just,
0: yeah
1: I gotta I gotta stick where I where I know I'm
0: gonna enjoy it right
1: yeah less of a guessing game and that <laughs> is to like kind of just throw on there because it was so interesting that I'm with you. Most gins, right, especially through college, it's London dry. Mm-hmm. Like all gins are supposed to taste like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, where now you get a lot of the American <laughs> gins and lower alcohol off the still and a lot more oils. So it's almost more like the flavored vodkas that have taken um, over, or at least in the really. early 2000s.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. I, not no, that was, yeah, not, not into them, but I would, yeah. after, after trying a good one, I was like, you know, what, I, I could see myself trying other ones that, you know, you find out are good, but like you said, like the London dry, the ones that are in a plastic bottle. And it says like Steve's gin on the bottom shelf. I can't, yeah. I'm not even going to touch that. It's just, yeah. No, amount of mixer
1: is going to make that different.
0: No, no, you can't make that good. Now. Have you, have you got, so you said you had the, was it a hundred percent rye? yes the high rise so you go 100% rye which i just tried one recently and i really liked it and i didn't i wasn't into rise for a long time but i've started to like those a lot more um have you guys dove into like the high proofs that everybody seems to be in the fanboy era about right now
1: yes yeah we for sure have um and i'll even going on the yeah risky the risk of offending anyone i know know, that sounded
0: really bad but it's just what it is like
1: no, no, well, no, I'm going to make it worse. The gas on the fire. <laughs> you know, I like a high proof bourbon with some ice mm-hmm. and I drink it quick, you know, and you, but so um, we're definitely going to offer that. We were mm-hmm. in the works of also doing a single barrel program, right? Because, um, you know, there's something about um, the small batch, yeah. if you will, but the more, um, yeah, your your more entry level, like everyday bourbons and the consistency that they bring, which is great. But then the single barrels and barrel proofs are really something different, if you mm. don't mind, a little bit of a surprise.
0: Sure. It's because what's this one, 94, right? Yeah, uh, yeah 92. 94. I yeah. mean, that's a great, like, that's a great proof point, I think, for anybody. And like you said, the the high proofs, I mean, I like some high proofs, too. Some of them, I think they're just getting to a point where you're like, dude, are you just showing off at this point? Because like 140 proof doesn't seem, that's not enjoyable to sit down and sip i'm sorry yeah like it's just not i I don't know it's just it's just warm and not really not really into it
1: yeah maybe take a little longer for me i'm gonna let that ice cube really melt yeah and then 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 put another one in (laughs) it's not yes so i'm with you it's yeah tough to drink gasoline right but they're super popular right now yeah no it's there's a there's a little something for everyone especially now yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah i think there's like the
1: one percenters right if you will
0: but yeah. the real
1: whiskey enthusiasts who mm-hmm. need to try a little of everything to see what the difference is
0: yeah and i think like the the relative term of small batches also kind of gets a little bit lost like elijah craig's small batch is probably a little bit different their their small batch is putting out more than what craft distilleries are putting out i mean they're so what's really like a small batch like I'm just finding that the amount of quality with the the craft distilleries are just significant. Not, I don't want to say higher, like in a bad way towards like big companies, but I'd rather support a craft distillery place that's coming out with bottles that are they're more hands on with.
2: Yeah, Sean, what would our small batch be like? How many cases again is one barrel?
1: Yeah, no. So that, that's both yeah, here hitting it on the head, right? So I, I believe legally, um, TTB wise, and the federal government. Small batch is under 500 barrels blended. Right. So we lay about 60 barrels a year. Okay. Yeah. 500. <laughs> right. So, you know, we talked about consistency earlier. Yeah. The big guys are doing like 100, you know, 10,000 barrels to get a year's worth of inventory. Yeah. So, like you were saying, even these MGP barrels alone or as 11 barrel blend is just, it's, like nothing anyone else has blended because mm-hmm. those 11 barrels are just so unique. And we, we've, we've got a hundred barrels all from the same day and we've tasted all those barrels, not in one day, but none of them are the same. There's no sure. twin barrels. Yeah. And it's all the same clear juice that went in. So it's really like one of those amazing experiences to see all the different results from the mm-hmm. same product at the start.
0: And it's funny because like MGP puts out good whiskey. There's a lot of really good places that use MGP. They put out really good whiskey. I mean
1: That's great. Like everyone, everyone uses MGP.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just like a like a stigma where people be, oh, it's MGP. Like, who cares, dude? You're drinking MGP probably more often than you even know you are.
2: Right. Some people just decide to embrace it
0: while others
2: maybe. Don't. Yeah. I've seen that for you know? sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, and even though even even MGP in the actual facility there has an amazing history, being oh, yeah. you know the original Seagram's plant. Mm-hmm. So and it really is a whole town dedicated to making whiskey. Whether or wow. not you know you know right, like really you know listeners, if you want to look into MGP and like the people and the city that it is there, it's it is amazing. So that's it's- a that's a tour if you could get there.
0: Yeah, that's got to be a fun is- one.
1: Yeah. And that is like, it's unbelievable. And you know, half the people there are scientists, you know, yeah. it is like, right. So, yeah. Cause I, I know,
0: I know that there's a couple of bottles that come out of MGP that are really expensive bottles that are out there. And I mean, they're, they're like, they're MGP, you know, so when people want to bash it, like there's really good bottles coming out of there and there's bottles you're paying a lot of money for that are MGP.
1: Right. And it is about what's in the bottle.
0: But For kind of sure. going
1: back to what you were saying, yeah, it's just there is something about once you start scaling up, you know, you do lose a little something that's different. Mm-hmm. Right? For better or worse, you know, yeah. you you're gonna sway one way or the other, which is fine, but you will get a different product at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what's fun, you know, and then different about each of these.
0: Now you're doing you guys are doing different vodkas as well right is there a, was there a corn one and a potato one was there am i accurate on that or wrong
1: no yeah. right now we, we have two corn vodkas we're doing okay. some different filterings
0: oh, oh so, okay
1: yeah in there yeah so in some different states mm, so gotcha yeah we're kind of trial and airing now with some of our filtering techniques and yeah hopefully one day that is the goal <laughs> though yeah because yeah. i do I like, I, like, I like me some potato vodka but that's a
0: story for another time yeah we've got i wouldn't say no there's potato or jeez, uh, potato tomato juice in my fridge and some other things to mix up and those are work just fine for me too
1: yeah maybe some bacon
0: you know <laughs> fry up i'm yeah. sold yeah 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 <laughs> I, know, I know what we're doing when you guys are in town <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have your address right I'm yeah on my
0: yeah you send it out here you guys know where i live if i get a knock on yeah. the door one day it will be good my dog will go crazy and People are gonna come in and have some bloody marys. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, you got a dog?
0: Then I'm definitely there. Oh yeah, I'm. The fact that she's not over here barking like crazy just to sit here by me is is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tell me. Well, first, I know Nikki, you had stuff you wanted to share, but can you take me a little bit through through this one here that Kennard and Drake? Um, I know these guys. They they founded either Boone County or Lebanon, right?
1: Yes. Yep. So um, our. Uh gracious librarian next door on one of our early days before um, really opening and trying to get some names and learning about the town. Um, George Kinnard was um, on the Indiana um, legislation and in 1832 they needed a county seat more centrally located in Indiana. So he ran out with his business partner General Drake and um, they bought like almost 200 acres or so and a few months later, sold it back to the States for a significant profit. So originally we wanted to kind of tip our hats at like, um, you know, what today would be like insider trading. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Sure. Some so, serious yeah, and, for... yeah, that's all.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey,
1: we appreciate that. And yeah. um, Lebanon's a swamp. So it really made no sense for the, you know, state to buy this swamp and mm-hmm. turn it in. So, it's been fun. So, <laughs> that's be great.
0: But yeah. I think that's yeah, I oh, think it was really cool cuz I was trying to I was looking them up cuz you know, again, like there's so many different names in whiskey and whether they're like significant in whiskey or an area or whatever like. So, I think it's cool that you guys are you know, paying respects to uh to those guys. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, we appreciate that cuz then we're yeah. going to we have we have some POS that's going to go out with like kind of their resumes. Mhm. Because um, they both kind of kind of died young, but really lived um, young and wild and free, and mm-hmm. you know lived some crazy lives in the uh, early 1800s.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I, like the bottling's cool. Like the the labels. Sorry, my little lights shine. On. I mean, I like this man. This is really cool looking. I love the fact. I like that you guys have your name on the back of the bottle too. I think that's cool. Yeah. You know, getting like that's it's your thing, man. Like that's awesome. I think that's great um yeah. so take me through this thing so you got so it's aged five years right it's a yep. straight bourbon um did you want to share this right now nikki or do you want to i post this yeah
2: yeah you
1: nikki you're talking about like the barrel
2: hats? yeah sean why don't you try to do you have it pulled up for some reason it oh uh, well it's... i think tony you might have to turn on this oh uh,
0: this is my see Let's and go it's to okay my... we were yeah, you
1: could,
2: we could try
1: post- it. oh there you go too.
0: all right go ahead it should be working now
1: um yeah this is just kind of a little thing we use, and because obviously i'm not you know we're not harry potter fans right so
2: um,
1: this is our barrel sorting hat you know and we put it on top of each barrel as we fill out our whiskey tasting sheet but um so right all these we're we're using this um to go through each barrel so on the top Mm -hmm. we got spice towards the bottom is the opposite. And that's going to be sweet aromatics. And then on the left side, um, we've got four quadrants here. All right, you guys, Sorry, right, it's podcast. To the left, we got grain, and to the right is the wood flavor, right? And we're talking about individual barrels and um, either it's going to be more on the grainy side, and that's where we're talking more of like a wheat feel or like the rye and, you know, that we're really talking more about like the mouth feel and the body. And then when we say wood, we we really use that more as like the char and use that as like a dryness which then would more affect not just the taste but like the balance of each whiskey um and then just towards the top we got spice which we're more talking about like black pepper cinnamon spearmint tobacco um and then the sweet aromatics we're just more talking about things you would get off the nose um and we go through every barrel, and um, that's how we ended up. We ended up doing 10 different blends mm. of our 55 five-year-old barrels. Um, and we really kind of used this to go with more of almost a mathematical way of, um, of our blending to get our uh, consistency.
0: How many people do you have in on this tasting process? Like, in terms of, you know, because I think one thing you see is, like, cause I, it's always fun for me to like look things up. Right. And, and I'll get a bottle of something and and look up just what people's tasting notes are. And I think they're very like subjective, you know, but one person will say, Oh, it's, it's caramely with a hint of, you know, toothpaste and somebody else goes, Oh, it's wood with a hint of like prime rib. You're going dude, these are not even, you're not even close to each other. So how do you like, how do you kind of get to a point where you even all those things out, you know, so you have something that in, at least in your mind is, consistent enough to put out in a um a bottle that represents the flavor profile that you're going for
1: yes no so that's start to finish there's probably like eight to ten different people Mm -hmm. um and i think we really had like four or five of us when we started doing our like 10 blends of 11 barrels each um And we kind of we went more off of kind of a master because like you're saying, right, no one's going to taste the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we more just went off a master one that a few of us helped just put together. Um, And then a lot of times we would do these full sheets that we could all, you know, um, go through later. But yeah, and try to find some common ground. Right. So it's tomato, tomato. My Mm -hmm. wife also drinks bourbon and um, you know what we used to, when we go to restaurants, we order two random bourbons and we never want to drink the same one. She wants one and I want one. Right. So, That's um, great. yeah, but I think, right. We did just, we found a common place of like what we agreed on, whether like, you know, is the body full or light or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, full or light and is the texture, you know, we go creamy, sharp around, you know, so a lot of times we'll talk about like the roller coaster of flavor you know, does it start up and then go down and um, you know, just what kind of turns does it take in your, you know, in your mouth in the mouthfeel? Yeah. So once we kind of found, you know, some common ground, we, uh, we look at like the chart and we see what barrels and we switched a few around and end up with something that we felt was like short and sweet, you know, kind of like pun intended. Sure. Yeah.
0: That's cool. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their version of doing things, but I like the, uh, I like the visual of this. It definitely was, uh, it definitely works. I can, I can kind of put yourself in like each area that you're looking at to come up with something that you feel like you're, you're tasting.
1: Yeah. And then right, Nick, I mean, we, we kind of would argue, well, should it go more in the sweet or Is it more, you know,
2: the whole process, tasting all of those barrels? It, it made for a, made for a fun, you know, nice weekend, a lot of reminiscing and some nice lunches. Yeah. yeah nice lunches, dinner, probably,
0: probably leads to good golf too.
2: Yeah. 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 Oh, I think that weekend we should probably stay off. <laughs>
0: but Wow. That's cool. That's definitely cool. I've never seen that, that, that process being done like that
2: yeah
1: so fun and yeah a lot of highlighters and colors (laughs) oh I bet yeah
2: I think we had gotten it down to maybe two or three different blends and then from there we kind of tinkered um you know with different barrels if we felt that it needed more of a you know spice barrel in there then we would switch something out like that
0: so, okay. So like, for example, if you, let's say you do feel like you need more spice, do you go to like a barrel that's like a rye, for example, or does that change that mash bill too much that you don't want to go to like a hundred percent rye, get some of that in there in the blending. And then it changes w- that overall mash bill that you're going for. Or does that matter less than what the taste is actually doing?
2: So it would, they're all the same mash bill. Mm-hmm. So it would just be um a barrel that kind of picked up more spice flavor preferences in the aging process yeah
1: gotcha gotcha okay well so nick i don't know if you have do you have the whiskey tasting note blank sheet up so this is okay yeah no big deal so when we kind of really i think you're also kind of asking like um right for the palate section the first thing is flavor is it sweet grainy does the wood predominantly or is it more of a spice Mm. You know, so then based off that, like you're saying, if you want to, you know, I want to add some spice, we're going to look at one that was maybe, you know, on the wood side, take that out Mm. and then find one. So then even lower down is balance. And then we do percentages for grain versus wood, you know, and then we'll kind of, you know, experiment a few barrels in and a few barrels out. Wow.
0: This guy, i mean yeah. that's gonna be so much fun like i, I just i'm a little jealous like that's got to be so awesome
1: now have next, you next, go ahead,
0: go ahead. Sorry. oh no i was gonna say have uh, you have you um done any or thinking of doing any like uh t- any finishes any type of finishing barrels yes yep so that's
1: yes ha, we have um thank you for asking we have now um we are waiting to bottle and waiting for the labels. Um, our first series, which is going to be a, uh, it's just a toasted finish. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be this five-year, well, it was four-year at the time. So it's a straight bourbon finish and just toasted barrels. So can no char. You...
0: Okay. No, no, no. That I was going to say, can you get into that a little bit? Because I think that's, I've kind of read that some, some companies that are doing like the toasted or the, the barrel finish, whatever you want to call it like some of them are only toasting it and some of them are lightly charring it. Some of them aren't really doing much at all. Like, how does that process work? Is that mainly a toast with no char? Um, how long is that aging process? I apologize that I cut you off and you were going to answer those anyway, but there it is. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, no perfect. <laughs> um, so yes, no char. So it is just toast. Um, and I believe this first batch went about 11 months. Oh, wow. So, We we tasted it like every, we tasted it almost weekly, especially towards the end. Mm -hmm. And once we start getting, you know, some other flavors that are a little more, less flavor, uh, favorable, (laughs) flavorable, Mm -hmm. uh, less favorable flavors, we, yeah, we pull it. Um, And we were really looking for something specific um, because what we really felt like when we were tasting, trying to figure out how long do we age these before we sell them and bottle them. You know some of these older urban seven ten year olds mm-hmm. you know to me and Dust, they were on like a drier woodier side yeah and that take on that oak feel. yeah yes um where i wanted you know we wanted something that just more had like yeah this more um i don't know how you more of a heated mouth feel from that wood sure um yeah so is there
0: is there I mean, a uh, is there a toasted barrel that's out there is there a toasted barrel that's out there right now that you feel like you were trying to kind of find that same flavor profile?
1: No, not necessarily. Um, uh, Years ago when one of our probably one of our best uh, or some of our closest friends who really helped us have been mictors in Kentucky, just great people. Um, And years ago when we were uh, selling their stuff in Illinois, Um, They had when they first came out with their toasted bourbon. Um, And I still remember tasting it and it was just so unique and it was like, wow. Um, And they still had plenty of char in there, but it was this other flavor that really kind of opened my eyes to like, Hey, this is something else.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And that kind of lit that fire. And once we started making our own, it was kind of like, how do we get this product out of the barrels? So
0: I, I can't remember if, uh, like Nikki, you said you saw the one with Brian Nolte, but the, uh, I don't remember if it was him or, or Tim Pearson from Chattanooga that said like when they put their own stuff out or did a finishing thing for the first time was like the scariest thing they've ever did. Cause like we're taking good bourbon, like bourbon that we would normally sell on its own and we know it's good. And we're going to take it while it's good, put it in another barrel and like, hope it ends up good in another, you know, six to eight months.
2: I, yeah, I think that was Breckenridge. Yeah. I- they do it's got to be frightening. Yeah, no, it's
1: very scary. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, and that's um so one of the first things we did was we aged some of our gin in some used bourbon barrels. Mm. So that's another product yeah that we haven't released yet that we're now getting some labels for and right again like every month getting to taste this yeah. was just right insane. Um so yeah, just like, right, such a unique experience. And again, you start to see some other flavors come and it's like, oh, hit the brakes and we're dumping this bad boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can imagine that's a little frightening, but it's got to be cool though, to just be able to go, Hey, let's, let's just try this. Let's see how this goes.
1: Why not? What's, what's well, yeah. a barrel or two, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. We can do this. Because if it turns out like it's something new and cool that other people, you know, might not be doing, or you're doing it better, then you know, takes off. Like that's awesome.
1: Yep, and that's definitely what like the barrel gin was. You know, there's a bunch of little guys who do it, but there's not. You don't ever find a a lot of them. It's really kind of fun because it's to me, it's the ultimate stepping stone to Mm. drinking bourbon straight. Sure. Is starting with a a gin that's flavorful. Mm. You get some some of those bourbon notes and notes from the barrel and it's a start you know running
0: um now what are you guys um are you guys open to like can the public come by and and see you guys or, or tour or anything like that like how does that work for you guys
1: yeah not nope now since covid we haven't been open to the public okay um and we're Kind of still waiting to see what's happening there, and we're really we've limited since this has started people in the building to production crew, but we do hope in the very near future when restrictions lift Mm -hmm. to have a tasting room up and going again, and everything's in the cells, so it's like we've now the the tables and most of the seating's actually in the cells, Mm -hmm. so that's a that's a restaurant, right? Yes, so the restaurant has been closed since COVID. It has. So yeah, that will reopen more as a tasting room and cocktail okay. oriented.
0: Now is the, is the restaurant you guys' as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. It's a good yeah, gig. So that's a restaurant and, and distillery. I might, yeah. I've got family like an hour away from you guys. So I'm going to wait till COVID's over and I'm going out there and I'm coming over for distillery slash restaurant uh, funness
1: sounds good good. that's happening We'll we'll,
2: we'll,
0: let you spend the night in one of the cells i don't know if i'm ready for that i'm scared of everything so like that might be that could get me
2: i don't get that easily and that's that would be scary for me
0: yeah keep the keep the door open and like some lights on or something we can talk about it but or if there's or you know depending on how uh, how open the distillery is i i might be perfectly fine with uh crashing wherever i crash right yeah (laughs) Well, cool. So you guys, what's, what's, uh, what's in the future? Like what's the, what's the next couple of years look like for you guys? Anything, you know, obviously like you said, you had a couple of, uh, ideas you're going to wait on some labeling, but what else, anything in the future that people should know about?
1: Yeah, hopefully really it's the distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, this last year we were supposed to hit the East coast and seven States in that area, um, Georgia and Kentucky and Florida and, um, so a lot of areas that really have hit some, uh, yeah, some COVID obstacles. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we got a few more uh, conjugal visit moonshine flavors coming out, and we're gonna have a few, uh, probably a few other whiskies too. So, oh well, and I'm sorry, we have our poet's potion absence. So which has been pretty much almost the same as gin, just a whole different um, category of botanicals, including wormwood. So you okay.
0: said you spent so, some time in Europe. I, I, yeah. We got to get to this really quick because so in t- 2019 I was in Prague and our Airbnb was right, literally like across the alley from an absinthe bar. And I'd seen Euro trip so many times that I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to see the flying green thing. Um, so I didn't step foot in this place. I, I kind of wish <laughs> I did My buddy I was with wanted to go there. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like or if the green guy shows up like what is what is absent (laughs) i'm like because it's not a hallucinogen right
1: yeah yeah that's right how fun so um and love road trip you know that's how is um hero trip um so yeah uh, wormwood is a is an old old mythical drink um it's almost like bathtub gin during prohibition Mm -hmm. and it was green because these people were using either chemicals or they were cooking it you know like in their copper bathtub and they got green leaching hmm. but they used wormwood which um by itself will make you hallucinate because of thujone. yeah but um no in current anything you see wormwood in um, the alcohol would get you away before the little green guy unfortunately
0: gotcha. okay
1: but we do use the maximum amount of wormwood
0: so, you no, know, we'll see how everybody reacts to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's always a good goal to see yes. the little green man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know you're doing absinthe right. And, and that, how so we, the, can guys, you, now do you guys have, like, I know you mentioned some distribution and obviously wanted to expand it, but is there, can, can people in other states order, um, can they order directly either from you guys or are there, are there any online services or anything that people can order you guys through?
1: No, currently we okay. do not ship directly at any consumers and we're still, the states we're in, we're working with people who, you know, it's a real gray area.
0: I was just, yeah. that's a pain, right? Like that, this legality of it's a pain shipping that stuff out.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, And you know, it's, it's taxes or mm. it's the states worrying about getting their tax money. Uh, so, and you, you know, you don't mess with states and their taxes. No.
0: Money.
1: No. So you, yeah.
0: So, I'm from California. So so,
1: bear. I know. Oh, okay. That's yeah. You know, But Hey, they'll, they'll let them ship wine, you know, but if it gets to be something fun, then you can't ship it.
0: I mean, if it's red, you're good, but the brown water, don't you dare.
1: Pretty much. Right. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's
0: crazy. Um, social media, where can people find you? The good thing is we've got a lot of people in our, like for one in our organization and also for people that, you know, friends of mine that have been listening to this, that travel around enough and they get into, you know, some of the places that you guys are going to be able to be found in. Uh, So where, where can people find you on social media? How can they connect with you?
2: So Boone underscore co underscore jail underscore distillery. You could also just visit our website at Boone co jail distillery.com. And all the links will be there too. And we are recently been also doing TikToks, which is totally different but it's fun because it kind of gives people more of a glimpse inside of where the space we're working in. So thinking about I will, uh, that.
0: I will tell you in 100% honesty in the, if I wake up in the middle of the night or I can't sleep or, or get up really early, uh, I'm guaranteed to be scrolling through TikTok Like you would not believe um, we did a little comp. We did a competition with some of our players on TikTok, And mm-hmm. so I, I haven't deleted it because it's way too entertaining. So
2: it's yeah. so entertaining, especially if you're on bourbon. The bourbon oh yeah. And you see all like the reviews like, It is so cool.
0: Yep. It's a, uh, it's definitely a trip. It's, it's something, it's something people need to be aware of and need to like take seriously and go check it out.
2: Uh-huh. I a hundred percent agree. It's, it's probably one of my favorite platforms to work with.
0: No, I, I don't, I don't blame you one bit. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, Sean, Nikki, really appreciate your time. Um, you I'll, I'll make, I'll make sure I put hey. links in for you guys. Yeah.
1: I got, I'm sorry. I got a million dollar question being from the suburbs of Chicago and the baseball, you oh, know, and we I go. went to college and yeah. in in Missouri. So I was surrounded okay. by Cardinals fans, Yeah, you know, David Ross making, you know, the conversion mm-hmm. to manager. Is he going to bring the Cubbies another world series? What do uh, you
0: foresee? I I work for a National League team, so I'm gonna say no. Um, oh, however, I, I
1: didn't know which side you were. That's fair. No,
0: it's it's no, it's okay. Now I will say, everything I've ever heard about David Ross as a human has been nothing but positive. Um, I've had friends that played with him that said he is just the greatest dude in the world. Um, and I think for a guy, for a guy to go as quickly as he did from player to manager and have the respect of the guys that he was playing with and then now he's coaching now he's their manager. um, I think that shows a lot about him as a person and and how well-respected he really was. Cause that's not, that, that cannot be an easy transition. I now Grant, I was younger, but like my, I almost had an opera. I did have an opportunity to stay. I went to school at the university of Nevada. And when I got done, you know, it was, pretty much told to me that I wasn't very good at baseball and or not as good as I was hoping I was going to be and uh, I was going to have a chance to stay on and coach and I was thinking about I'm like I can't coach these guys like I just spent three four years doing things with them off the field that I I can't now go coach them um, but so I think for a guy like that to have the respect of those guys that were his teammates just a couple of years ago I think it's pretty cool so uh, I do. I I hope they get second place in the National League.
1: So yeah, I did take that as a Cubs fan. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah.
0: The, I'd be. I'd be okay with them getting like the NLCS ring, as long as it's losing to the Dodgers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, perfect. That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. It good <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, St. Louis. I mean, picking up Aaron Auto. Like that guy's. He's good. I mean, it, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun year i I think people are just gonna be happy that baseball's back and mm-hmm. sports in general are are picking back up a little bit and so we'll see.
1: Yeah. No, amen. So yeah.
0: really nice. So. <laughs> awesome. Well really Nikki Sean. You yeah, thanks. you guys, thanks so much. I'll definitely let you guys know before uh before I put this out.
2: Sounds good. Thank you, thank All right, guys, you. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Talk to you.